everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are going to be talking all about the awesome Clone Wars stories of light and dark. Alex and I have literally been dying to talk about this with you guys. (laughs) Such a good book. Uh, Before we get into it, another book just came out today, Thrawn Ascendancy. Ooh. <laughs> Here's the thing. So blue. Yeah, it's very blue. People are saying that it's it's better than the first trilogy, but like I just I don't trust Timothy Zahn. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I guess I mean I'll probably try to get the audiobook from the library whenever that is, but yeah. neither of us are really planning on covering it. No. <laughs> I've, I'm definitely intrigued by, like, the things I've been hearing, but I will yeah. probably wait for it to be at the library. Although, if you get, like, the first edition copy, it does have blue pages, and I just... <laughs> it's just really funny to me. <laughs> it, like, you want to get it just for the collector's item, like, part of, like, item, yeah. Yeah, I it's mean, just... it would look very pretty on a shelf, but the cover is beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, But we also have the Star Wars Celebration Shop um, that is now open. And it's also going to be open for the rest of the year, which is kind of interesting. Um, Because apparently, so there's not a whole lot in there right now. They really have just like the 40th anniversary Empire Strikes Back. Apparently things are going to continue to drop throughout the year. Interesting. So if you are disappointed by what's in the shop now... (laughs) There might be stuff later. Yeah, I didn't buy anything. I didn't see anything I really liked. The other thing is shipping internationally from the Celebration Store, at least last year, was $20 for anything you bought. So unless I see something that I really want, like, I'm probably not going to get anything. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I'm interested in, like, the pens and stuff, but I'm... I kind of think it's weird how that's going to work since, like, we're not all there. Because, like, all of the pins that I got, I think I got by trading. Yeah. I don't think I actually bought any of the pins that I kept, except mm-hmm. for Rose. No, I, didn't, I don't up, have Rose. I had to trade her. <laughs> I was going to say, like, we ended up with duplicates of things, and then we traded those duplicates. Yeah. Um, we both have Kaz's, which were our, like... That's, like, the main thing we wanted. The goal, Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I remember I traded my rose for a Kaz, which I was really upset about. But I'm like, well, I'll just go back and buy a rose. And then I never did. No. <laughs> well, uh, I have noticed the last celebration, there were um, stores on the on the show floor that were selling previous years' celebration pins. So hopefully in 2022, you can get your rose. Yes. <laughs> Man, we're just all prepping for 2022 right now. (laughs) It's been really sad knowing that, like, Celebration was supposed to be this week. It's been nice to see people celebrating online. Like, there's been, like, fashion stuff going on. Um, It's it's really fun to see, like, everybody's cosplays and outfits and stuff. And remembering Resistance was this past weekend as well, which was really cool. It's just sad. It's, yeah, it's really sad. But if you are missing uh, Disney and Star Wars and want some of that in your life, uh, the Target uh, Trading Outpost Star Wars collection launched um, today as of recording. uh, And apparently, like, half the stuff is already sold out. Yeah. um, I'm not surprised it's popular because those plushies were adorable. They were very cute. (laughs) 
And like I've been scrolling through the apparel and it's it's pretty good. Like normally a lot of the Star Wars stuff is just kind of like a design printed on a t-shirt. Like it's not really anything mm-hmm. special, but a lot of these like actually look really cute. And they've got a lot of baby Yoda stuff, which, you know, finally. <laughs> um so I'm excited about that. Hopefully things won't stay super sold out for long if you're looking to grab some stuff, but I yeah. would just say like keep an eye on it. Yeah. I'm like, I, I mean, I'm in Canada, so we had Target for a very short period of time in my life. Um, and it's unfortunate, but next time in this, I'm in the States, I'm like totally going to go to one and check out what they have. Well, anything you want from Target, just tell me and I will okay. get it for you. <laughs> I love to go to Target, although right now it is a little bit scary because COVID. Yeah, <laughs> but, Walmart's the same here. It's still a little crazy. Yeah. But the final bit of news that we have is something that was super exciting, and it's that Kelly Marie Tran is going to be the voice of Disney's next princess. Shannon, I screamed. I, it was like the furthest thing from my mind that could have been like announced. It was like the biggest surprise the most amazing surprise I think we've gotten all year. <laughs> yes, I was so excited when I saw that. So, so excited. We're both, you like, I'm sure listeners know we're both really big Disney princess fans. Um, so this is, like, the best news. Yeah, get ready for a two-hour in-depth analysis of the Raya of Ron, and the Last yeah. Dragon trailer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll be uh, more accurate with that prediction than Tross. <laughs> I hope so. I just, like... Man, I was excited when I saw, like, the art for Rey and the Last Dragon and everything, mm-hmm. and, like, it's going to be Disney's first Southeast Asian princess, and now she's actually going to be voiced by somebody who is Southeast Asian. Like, it's just really awesome. And, like, Aquafina is going to play the dragon. Last I heard, the dragon was in trans colors. Like, I'm I'm really excited yeah. for this. I think it's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited. There hasn't been, like, a, a lot said about the movie, but... Um, Disney likes to keep it kind of hush until they're they're in their marketing mode. So I'm really excited, and I'm I'm like I'm hoping that uh, Kelly will be at D23s in the future. Yes, and that people like I can't wait to see these cosplays, like the mid, like the like the Rose slash Raya like cosplay mashups. It's oh my god, so good. Yes. <laughs> Well, in that um, Super Yaki shop just released, like, a bunch of new Star Wars stuff. So oh they've gosh. got these t-shirts that say Kelly Marie Tran. And, like, I just, I can't wait for, like, Kelly to be able to, like, meet people and see all this Rose stuff and Rhea merch. Like, she's just living her best life. This is Kelly Marie Tran's world, and we are living in it. Yeah. Good for her. And, like, you know what's so exciting is that we've gotten, like, um, I guess, like, Disney princess reunions and different kind of things. Like... For example, like in Ralph Breaks the Internet, all those voice actresses got to come back and play their roles. And then there's like things like Sophia the First where like the the princesses end up on that show. So it's like it's not just this one movie that Kelly is kind of like becoming a part of. It's like this big like Disney princess brand that like just keeps reappearing like in different things. Oh my gosh. Like I didn't even think about that. Like they brought all the princesses out when they did that Ralph Breaks the Internet and, like, they all, like, sang together. Yeah. And, like, Kelly's going to get to be part of that. Like, oh, my God. 
And like they always end up having those those voice actresses on like for example like their Christmas special on like ABC and we'll get to see Kelly do like a bunch of things like that. It's it's like more Kelly like the better. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Like I'm I'm so excited for this movie. Like we haven't had a Disney princess since Moana, so like it's been a little while. And I think this one's gonna it sounds so mystical mm-hmm. and cool. Like I'm I'm so, so excited yeah. for it. Well we did have Frozen too, but that was that's already true. existing yeah. princesses. But <laughs> how yeah. can I forget? <laughs> the first um the first new princess since Moana. Yes. Ah, uh, so exciting. I'm so I'm so here for it. Do you think it's gonna be a musical? Like do we know? No, I don't I don't think it's supposed to be. Ah. Uh. Because, I mean, Kelly Richman <laughs> singing would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But I didn't think it was supposed to be a musical. She wouldn't be the first one. I mean, Brave, there's no music. Um, no. I mean, that is Pixar. But it it would be, it'll be interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Okay, so with that, we are going to get into the Clone Wars stories of light and dark. This just came out this past week. Um, Alex and I were fortunate enough to get galley copies of it, so we have been ready to talk spoilers about this book for so long. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about, like, what is Stories of Light and Dark? So it's an an anthology um, with, I think, 10 stories. No, sorry, 11 stories. Um, short stories about um, different Clone Wars characters and you follow their point of view in an episode, basically. So each short story is a different Clone Wars episode that already exists. Yes, except for the very last one, which is Mm -hmm. sort of based off of like a Clone Wars event, but it's a completely original spin on it. Yeah. I would say that each author did put their original spin on it, some more so than others, like the way that they told the story. Um, But yeah, we should just dive in. Yeah. Um, With any anthology, some are better than, some stories are better than others. Um, I think with this book in particular, though, it kind of depends on who you gravitate more towards as a character. I do think for the most part, every story was written well. So that's, yes. it's, it's for us, like, we gravitated towards stories that, like, we enjoy, enjoy those characters. Yes. Like, I, I did like certain ones where I felt like it was a little bit more elevated, but the only time things were, like, boring me was just because it wasn't a character yeah. or, like, an episode that I particularly liked um, or one that, like, I was super familiar with, so, like, I knew all the things mm-hmm. were happening. And I will also say that uh, the audiobook version of this does have the original voice actors from The Clone Wars, which I did try out. It's so good. (laughs) It's like an experience because, you know, like these are retellings of episodes. So it's kind of like you're going through that episode, but with just like one character in particular and like the way Star Wars does their audiobooks is really fun because you get sound effects and all of that. And I... It made me like stories that maybe I didn't like reading. Like, the first two, I wasn't super into when I read them, but I did listen to them, and I liked them better. Like, they were more fun. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, uh, the first story is Sharing the Same Face by Jason Fry, and this one is all about Yoda. I actually think this was a really strong start to the anthology. Um, I'm not 
we're neither of us are super Yoda fans. Um, but I did find myself enjoying this story a lot. Yeah, I think like out of all of the Yoda episodes, I think it would have been really cool to see like a darker Yoda, maybe. Yeah, they're like see his shadow episodes. Yeah, um, yeah. What I did like, though, like, this is, like, the very first episode of The Clone Wars, so, like, that was kind of fun that it kicked off like that, and it's Yoda interacting with the clones and, like, seeing them as individuals and feeling them through the Force. Like, I think it was a really good way to, like, start off this book because it also was, like, how they introduced you to The Clone Wars, like, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So the next one was Dooku Captured by Lou Anders. The funny thing about this one was imagining Count Dooku writing this, like, diary entry letter to to Palpatine. (laughs) Just made me laugh, like, him sitting there, like, and I was captured with these two Jedi idiots. Can you believe (laughs) it? I was, like, really turned on to, like, Dooku as a character, like, really in... Dooku Jedi lost, but I did find, like, the writing in this one was a little dry for me compared to that, so I didn't find myself enjoying it as much as the audio drama. It's more action-heavy. Like, it's an action-heavy episode. It's it's the episode yeah. where he, Obi-Wan, and Anakin are captured by pirates. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when exactly that happens, but I have seen this one, so when I was reading it, it just wasn't grabbing me like like you said like with Dooku Jedi Lost we learned like so many interesting things about him and with this one it was just kind of like a fun romp kind of thing I I think like the only fun spin that they really added to it was that he was potentially telling the story to Darth Sidious but then he decided like never mind I'm not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) so the next one I think is the first one that like really got me super excited about this book (laughs) <laughs> um, it's Hostage Crisis by um, Preeti Chibber. And can I just say that she is so lovely on Twitter? Yes, like, <laughs> she's tweets. been, like, my favorite person to follow lately. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's amazing. She's written um, kids' books in, like, the, like, Far From Home Homecoming universe, too. So, like, I just feel like I connect with her a lot. <laughs> well, she she's, like, a total fangirl, which is great. Like, she's mm-hmm. one of us. And her story is about... Anakin so in the audiobook it's narrated by Matt Lanter and I love she tweeted she was like now my voicemail message can have Matt Matt Lanter saying my name oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like yes like exactly that's what I would want (laughs) to so hostage crisis like the story is so freaking cute guys okay like (laughs) this is Anakin and Padme at its finest. And I would like to point out that, like, out of all of the stories they could have told about Anakin, they picked one where he has the biggest that's my wife himbo energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, yeah, quintessential Anakin, basically. Yes. I haven't seen this episode. It's vi- it's a very good episode. Yeah. You need to watch it. I can't believe I you know. haven't seen it. I know. I still haven't seen it, but it's I'm so intrigued by this one because it's like when he gives Padme his lightsaber, which, okay, when I was listening to this book again, I was like really focusing in on Anakin and like this whole story is kind of showing that Padme means everything to him. Like she comes before like everything else and 
that's not necessarily true for Padme because because she has like more of a balanced <laughs> look on life. Mm-hmm. Um, but to show this to her, he does give her his lightsaber, which is a Jedi's life, mm-hmm. and like I just couldn't even. It was so cute, but then also at the same time, like he kept thinking about her, like having the lightsaber, and I'm like, this is a little, this is a little spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like the great thing with this episode is that it could have gone either way. Like this could have been a Padme POV, but I get why they chose Anakin because the next story that they do choose for Padme would be my choice too. Oh, definitely. Like, well, this one, like I said, like it, it's focusing on how Anakin views their relationship and then literally the next one in the book is Padme's story which is Pursuit of Peace by Anne Ursu and it's heroes on both sides which is like one of the most talked about Clone Wars episodes for sure yeah I think I heard about this episode of Clone Wars before I even like saw anything yeah like the first episode (laughs) I watched was Mortis but heroes on both sides was like not very far behind that Mm-hmm. And heroes on both sides like connect so much to like just like the Padme verse, like in novels and stuff and such. Like it connects so much to Queen Shadow. It really felt like an extension of Queen Shadow, mm-hmm. which I I really liked. Like I know the drama and everything with Ek. Which to be honest, after reading this, like can Anne please replace Ek? Could that be a thing that happens? <laughs> um, but yeah. like regardless, like with Queen Shadow, like she really set up a good, like, touchstone for Padme, and, like, it's been cool to see how things interact with it. Yeah. I really like that in this, like, especially since it's from Padme's perspective, like, you see her still struggling, like, feeling like she's out of place as a senator, like, you know, oh, they're not gonna believe me, they should listen to Bail. She talks a lot about how you have to wear your mask, you can't react a certain way, which you see a lot in Queen Shadow. I really love seeing her, like, we get to see her interact with, like, separatists in this, and then interact, mm-hmm. like, trying to find that peace again. It, it's just yeah. so Padme. There's a lot of interweaving going on right now in Lucasfilm with Padme, I think. And it's really great to see. I agree. So I had this question when I was listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, is Padme the opposite of Palpatine? Hmm. In some ways, yeah. And in some ways, I think it's Obi-Wan that's yeah. the opposite of, opposite of Palpatine. I think, like, w- like, mystically and, like, in the Force, like, definitely Obi-Wan. Yeah. With, it was making me think of it because, like, Padme believes so much in like what is good and like doing things like because it is right and because it is good yeah Um, there's a really good line at the end of the story where she says like just because there is darkness in something doesn't mean you should abandon it Mm -hmm. and like obviously that alludes to Anakin and all that kind of stuff but like she believes in people so much and like wants what's good for people so much and like this whole war was fabricated basically like for selfish reasons and like it means nothing and yet she did so much like good like on the other side of it it was just really interesting to see especially um novelized i think it it just brings so much more of it out yeah like it's it's interesting to see that that like pulling and pushing about anakin between the two of them yeah, I, I definitely think 
you know, she was an element that he tried to control, but, like, couldn't quite get a hold of her. Because, you know, like, in Phantom Menace, the whole thing was he wanted to manipulate her because she was so young and that didn't work. And then he tries to, like, have her assassinated all these times. And then, you know, Anakin falls in love with her and he thinks maybe he could use that to his benefit, which he kind of does because that does lead to his, you know, Anakin's fall. But I also think that, like, she was such a source of, like, goodness for Anakin. Yeah. And, like, his fall wasn't just because he was in love with her. Like, it was also the failings of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. But it's crazy how, like, for Palpatine, having Anakin fall to the dark side kind of, like, killed two birds with one stone. He got that apprentice he wanted, but he also had Padme killed, which he had been trying to do for all those years. Oh, my gosh. It's just, like... Everything, Palpatine is very smart when it's not Dross. Um, and it's just, it's so tragic to think about. I like, th- we're going to talk about this more when we get into like the Obi-Wan story, but like, there were so many things that I think Anakin and Padme just weren't seeing eye to eye on because they weren't talking necessarily. I-, I think the way they both viewed their relationship was very different. And I feel like if they could have just, like, sat down and, like, really hammered things out, like, maybe things might have gone differently. Yeah. So, the next story is The Shadow of Umbra by Yuhan Lee, and this is a story about Rex in the clones. Not my favorite. <laughs> I think, you know, they picked a really great arc yeah. to show off Rex. Uh, but, yeah, like, the clones aren't necessarily, like, my favorite part of anything, Mm-hmm. But I like that this one was, like, really humanizing the clones and kind of talking about, yeah. like, you know, that's kind of what the Clone Wars show was, like, for, was to, like, humanize yeah. the clones and, like, show the difference between them and the droids and, like, all that kind of stuff. So they picked a really good arc for mm-hmm. that, for sure. I think I honestly would have rather seen a Rex story that involved Ahsoka. Yes. But, but yeah. <laughs> I... The Ahsoka representation in this book wasn't the best anyway. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. For, <laughs> for her being um, the, like, basically the main character of the show, it doesn't make any sense. No, no. I will say, though, this did make me interested in, like, if they ever did, like, a novelized... Like, obviously they couldn't pick any stories from, like, way later in the Clone Wars because they didn't want to spoil things and, like, season seven and all that kind of stuff. But I would really like to see, like, a Rex POV novel, like, from the time around Order 66. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be really cool. Definitely. So the next one is probably my least favorite. um, Bane Story by Tom Angelberger? Angelberger. Angelberger. Mostly just because I don't really care about Cad Bane. Yeah. Sorry to any of the Cad Bane stands out there listening. Um, I'm sure this was a great one for you. I, I definitely skimmed this one. Yeah, it, it was just like a lot of fighting and it just, I, I wasn't, it, it wasn't one that I was interested in. I, I found it kind of interesting that they chose to t- tell a story about Cad Bane. Considering Ahsoka doesn't really get anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get yeah. to, we'll get to Ahsoka's story in a bit. But um, 
like I was just trying to get through Bane's story to get to the Ventress one, basically. Yes, yes. Ventress is the next one in the lineup. The Lost Sister by Zoreta Cordova, which Queen, bless up, love her. Mm-hmm. And this was such... Okay, I read this right after we read Dark Disciple again. Yeah, oh, yes. It just ties in so it beautifully. Pairs, it pairs so well. Oh, so good. So they mm-hmm. chose the arc where, like, Ventress is fresh off of the massacre on Dathomir. She's lost. She doesn't know where she's going. And she becomes a bounty hunter with Boba Fett. And it just... Oh, this one was so Pain. good. Pain. Pain. Uh, she reflects so much on, like, being lost. Like, she doesn't know where she goes from here. Like, she's been rejected and cast out of so many things. And then when she thought she found her place again, it was taken from her. Mm-hmm. And then you see her find her place again at the end of Dark Disciple, and it just comes full circle. Yes. Uh, like, the way that this story leaves off gives you so much context to the Ventress you see at the beginning of Dark Disciple. Yes. Like, it feeds <laughs> in so perfectly. Mm-hmm. I just loved that. And I did, like... So, in this story, she ultimately ends up saving a girl who was like the bounty they were supposed to be like transporting this cargo and when i was listening to it it kind of made me think like was she saving this girl because she saw that like her fate might have like she might have turned out like ventress yeah like she saw too much of herself in her yeah because ventress grew up like always in service to others like they talk about that Mm -hmm. in dark disciple and she was, this girl was being sold as a bride. Like, she would have always been in service of others. And I think in Ventress saving her, like, she kind of, like, saved herself a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah. she she definitely did. And, and we see her later on in her story kind of do that for herself. Yeah. I, I really think with Ventress's story, and, like, this one highlights it so well, is that, like, Ventress is a survivor and, like, the only person who's going to save her is her. Yeah. She's a beautiful story. She's a really, really beautiful story in canon. Yes. Like, I, I just, from start to finish, like, her story is just so, so good. And I'm yeah. so glad that this is the one that they chose to, like, really elevate and highlight. Because it, I think, like, to people who maybe aren't as familiar with the Clone Wars, like, you just see Ventress for, like, you know, like, oh, she's this spooky, dark-sider person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she flirts with Obi-Wan, you know, she, you think you know who she is. <laughs> yeah, well, because they could have very easily, like, picked, a st- like, an episode where it's, like, her and Obi-Wan just, like, flirty banter, you know? Yeah. But instead they chose this one where, like, Ventress is really, like, this is a very pivotal moment for her. Mm-hmm. And it's so meaningful that you get to see it now, like, from her perspective. Forever grateful to Zorita Cordova. <laughs> so the next story is Dark Vengeance by Rebecca Roanhorse, who, uh, bless up, love her. <laughs> and this is the story about Darth Maul pulling himself out of the trash can. Yes. <laughs> um, I love a good Maul story. And yes. Rebecca Roanhorse is incredible. So I was really looking forward to this one, too. 
it's always fun to see a story from his perspective because mm-hmm. he's just so interesting and different. Like, yeah. that's why you see him opposite, like, Obi-Wan, you see him opposite Ahsoka, because he really is, like, that counterpoint. Yeah. And so it's so cool to see, like, inside his mind and, like, what he's doing. And it was really fun in the audiobook, because the way the story is framed is that, you know, like, he's telling you the story of how he, like, he was dead, but then his brother found him, and he tries to take his revenge and all this. Like, he's he's telling you all these things. And so to have, like, Darth Maul, like, talking directly to you. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. So Sam, like, did the whole voice and everything. Oh, he went all out. Oh, good. Like, it was so, so great. Like, he just, he nailed it, and it just, it was perfect. I really, really liked it. I... At first, I thought, like, when they'd pick a Maul story, I don't know why, but I thought that they would pick, like, the Mandalore part of it. But it made sense that they chose this for Maul, because we'll see Mandalore a little bit later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, the next one, which we've kind of been alluding to, is Almost a Jedi by Sarah Beth Durst. This is supposed to be the Ahsoka story, but it's... It's not, though. It's not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I... And they use Ahsoka art, right, for this one? Yeah. If I remember correctly. So really, it's strange that a, this book that is culminating, like, all of Clone Wars doesn't involve the main character, really. It doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, this story is not told from Ahsoka's perspective, which is the first one yeah. in this lineup that does that. hmm and it, it's, it's from Katoonies. Yeah. It, it's, it kind of just sat weirdly with me because, like, the way Katuni sees Ahsoka is kind of, I guess, how, like, you would expect people to. Like, they look up to her. She's yeah. this cool Jedi, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't get to get into the nitty gritty with no. her. And, like, here's the thing. Like, this, if, if this story had been in, in, in this anthology and we also got, like, a real POV of Ahsoka... Like, this story would have been good on its own. It's just oh, yeah. that it's so disappointing that this is supposed to be the Ahsoka story. Yeah, like, even if, you know, like, they used heroes on both sides for Padme, but you also could have used that for Ahsoka. Because yes. she learns so much yes. there. Like, or any of the, her time when she was, um, when she was with Saul Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been cool. She does a lot of stuff with Lux. Like, she, the whole Ahsoka leaves. She has so many turning points in the in the show. So many pivotal moments that you could have made a short story about. Yeah, but they chose this one. Or even had they used this story, but actually told it from Ahsoka's point of view. Yeah, because, I mean, like, she's saving a group of, lo- of yeah. younglings. That would have been like, cool to see. She is showing leadership for one of the first times. Like, she is leading, like, younger Padawans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she is, like, demonstrating new abilities and everything. But why is this not from her POV? Yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like, oh, Ahsoka is too precious, cannot touch, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like... We don't want to take that mask off of her to show you guys who she truly is under her mask. Which is missing the whole point of why people like her so much, I think. You know, which, like, 
we're not going to get into it, but, you know, like, that is a problem that you see with Ray as well. Like, people don't want to mm-hmm. take that mask off of her. I think even to an extent, like, some people shy away from, like, exploring Leia's character a little bit, too. Because you don't want to see them go yeah. through these tougher times. But I would say we're very lucky with Leia having Claudia Gray write Leia. Yes. And we do get that mask taken off. And Rebecca Roanhorse also does a really good job at it. We're Ahsoka, we've gotten the Ahsoka book, but I, I feel like there is so much more to dig into with Ahsoka. Yes. And, to, like, to a certain extent, like, Padme as well, like, because EK doesn't really take that mask off of Padme, but mm-hmm. luckily for her, like, she has had so much work done in the Clone Wars, and, like, even this story here, you get really deep into it. Yeah. And, like, I want to see more of her, I want to see more of Ahsoka, because, you know, EK wrote the Ahsoka novel as yeah. well. So mm-hmm. it, it'd be cool if we could see a more, like, mature, in quotations, you know, just a, a more mature story, just detailing, you know, from their perspective. But really, like, shedding who she is. Yes. Not who, like, the fanboy wants Ahsoka to be. Yes. Like, I think a great way that they could even dip into that is if they had novelized, like, Ahsoka Leaves. Like, I think that is kind of like a thing you can look at but then also her walkabout in season seven Mm -hmm. she's doing a lot of soul searching there so much like there is so much like legwork done for ahsoka in the last season and then in rebels like star wars if you're listening like do this anthology but for rebels give ahsoka a story maybe maybe write um twilight of the apprentice from her point of view oh god (laughs) (laughs) I would love a book like this for Rebels. I yes, think, it would be incredible. Oh, could you imagine, like, okay, sad boy <laughs> moment. Could you imagine seeing Kanan's death from Hera's perspective? Mm-hmm. Or um, Sabine in Trials of the Darksaber. Whew. Whew. And, like, you'd probably get some, like, really great Ezra stuff, like, maybe with Maul. Like, when he's dealing yeah. with all his feelings. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, Kanan when he's blind, like, ooh, ooh, I want it. Just mm-hmm. oh, that'd be so good. You could even like, and then like for some levity, like we've we've just named like all these sad ones. You could get like a fun chopper story. You know? Yeah, I hope they do that. Like they should do that for all of them. They should do that for Resistance too. There's not a lot of oh material, yeah. but like, but I there's tons of characters to go off of with Resistance. Yes. Tons. You could even write like. um originals from resistance yeah because there's there's so much you could do there that's not gonna mess with like continuity and canon you know or or you know you you write a story about example sonara in an episode where it's not really sent a central focus on her and you like give her a b plot in that episode yeah that would be so cool like there's there's so much you could do to explore these characters like i'm so here for it and maybe we'll get, like, a Stories of Light and Dark, like, volume two, and they'll go even more Hopefully. in depth. And, like, if you're listening, we want a Rebels version. That would please. be so good. Please, please, please. So, the main attraction to this book. This it, story. This story. <laughs> when I read this, I messaged Alex, and I was like, girl. <laughs> so, we've arrived at Kenobi's Shadow by Greg Van Eckout, and this is the story <laughs> of Obi-Wan Kenobi 
going to Mandalore to help Satine, and then Satine dying. The perfect choice for him. What a choice. Like, (laughs) I mean, I, yeah. Thank you for making the right decision, Lucasfilm, for choosing this story for him. There was no other answer. This was the only story you could write. This is the only (laughs) story that you could ever write about Obi-Wan Kenobi is Satine. Now, this does make me, before we get into the story, this does make me happy that they chose this story and they acknowledge how much readers and, like, fans love this story and that there is a possibility for the future of this story Please. Going forward. Please. Please. <laughs> uh, another reason to stand Zorita Cordova. She said on Twitter the other day, um, unpopular opinion about Obi-Wan Kenobi. He should have run off with Satine. Um, co-signed. Yes. But that's not unpopular. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> she, she said that it was unpopular because everybody was like, oh, but Luke and Leia need him. Oh, like in the future. Yeah, sure. But, but like, like if at he had run off point. with Satine, like... All of Star Wars probably wouldn't have happened because then Anakin would have been like, oh, so I can have Padme and things are fine. Wow. Like, that's one of my notes that I put here is that if Anakin and Obi-Wan had just, like, talked about how they both had forbidden loves, like, things would have ended so differently. (laughs) And can I say, like, Obi-Wan TikTok and, like, their Obatina <laughs> obsession is, like, so good. Their dark Obi-Wan obsession I'm here for. Like, listen, TikTok <laughs> has, like, turned Alex and I into, like, the biggest Obi-Wan stands, <laughs> which is just being fed by this story. And I just, like, man. So, like, I already really love this whole arc with Obi-Wan in general because, like, you- you're mm-hmm. seeing him and Obi-Wan really is supposed to be, like, what the perfect Jedi is. Yeah. And then to know that he had this great love and, like, it is said, like, had she said the word, he would have left. He would have, like, dropped everything to be with her. Like Star Wars is tragedy. It is known. <laughs> and to see this, he, you know, the council doesn't want to help. And he doesn't even think. He's just like, well, I'm going. It is so Anakin to me. Mm-hmm. Like, the Anakin story we got at the beginning, like, we saw him with Padme. It, yeah. It's very much echoed in how Obi-Wan acts here with Satine. Like, she is so rooted down in his soul, like, in his character. Like, he will put aside everything for her. Like, he puts aside that mask of being a Jedi for her. Yes. And, like, he knows that, like, He's not supposed to be doing this. He it doesn't, he doesn't matter. Care. Like he's like I have I have to help her. Like there's there's nothing to be said for it. And what's amazing is that when Satine dies, Obi Wan almost goes dark for a second. Mm-hmm. He he really does have. He's consumed with this anger and this hatred, like wanting to hurt anybody who dared take Satine away from not only him, but, like, Mandalore and everything. And I loved, like, there was this line from Maul where he said, the true Obi-Wan Kenobi, the one who yearns to be set free. Oh my gosh. Yeah! (laughs) I just, like, because Maul, you know, orchestrates all this because he's trying to, like, get his ultimate revenge on Obi-Wan Kenobi and all that kind of stuff. And it is really amazing to see 
Obi-Wan pull back because that that was like the difference because Anakin becomes so consumed with his relationship with Padme, whereas what brought Obi-Wan back was thinking about that's not what Satine would have wanted. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't want him to lose himself. It's not what she ever would have wanted for him or for Mandalore or anything. Because, like, that's the whole reason why she didn't ever say the word, because she didn't want him to, like, give himself up for her. It's very sad. (laughs) And listening to the audiobook, I just... Man. (laughs) He just goes for it. Yeah. You almost get to hear what a dark Obi-Wan would sound like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's it's so good. And at the end of it, you know, he comes back and I think it's pretty clear that like Obi-Wan kind of knew what was going on with Anakin and Padme, but he he still didn't talk about it. But he he seems to have this new understanding for Anakin and he says I understand anger in a way I've never known. Like yeah. if they had just sat down Bro to bro. Yeah, before it was too late. Before they were on Mustafar. Yeah. It it gives so much context to that scene. Everything makes the Mustafar scene hurt so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even when we were talking about, you know, the Vader comics, like, it all just builds and builds and builds. And I really hope with the Kenobi series, which I don't know if we talked about, it It was announced it's going to be a limited series, which I yeah, think most people assume. I think it's good. I think yeah. it's six episodes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope that we see him dealing with, like, his guilt over losing Anakin, or, or like, him grieving over it. Like, yeah. there's gotta be a lot to unpack with that, and I hope that that's more of the focus than seeing yeah. him being, like, this this Jedi or whoever, because I just don't think that's who he is at that moment. Yeah. The prequels are good. Prequels are so good. Alex and I are going to rewatch the prequels. It's going to be great. (laughs) The Obi-Wan Anakin slash Vader content we've been getting recently has been very good. Very good. Also on TikTok, somebody is cataloging on why folklore from Taylor Swift is a love letter to Star Wars. And... The first point was My Tears Ricochet is Anakin and Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Yeah. I believe it. (laughs) I believe it. So if you haven't, if you weren't already sold on this book, like, Kenobi's Shadow, this is what we're here for. Mm Mm-hmm. This was the reason I bought the audiobook. (laughs) Yeah, neither of us have the physical book, though you're waiting for yours, right? Yeah. So you're going to get the beautiful artwork. Ah, yes. Oh, so exciting. But the final story, um, and this one was not in our NetGalley copies, so we um, had to wait until the book was released before we could read it. This one is called Bug by E. Anne Convery, and it is a story about the Night Sisters, and it is an original telling. Like, all yeah. the other ones are based off of an episode. This one is an original story. And it really, like you said, it feels like a fairy tale, like, lore kind of story. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect at all with this. <laughs> like, I I just, I didn't know anything about it. Like, I think I had vaguely heard that it was about the Night Sisters, and it's written by Dave Filoni's wife, which, if you haven't ever seen anything from her, she's amazing. 
and just such a wonderful yeah. human being. I mean, like, aside from her doing this story, like, how how many stories in Star Wars do you think she's helped with or inspired in the past? Oh, like, so many. So many. Yeah. So many. <laughs> so many. And I hope she gets to do all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I did listen to a little bit, so there is an interview on Sky Talkers um, with her talking about, like, how she came up with the story and, like, all that kind of stuff. I listened to a little less than the first half of it before we started recording, and what I really liked is how she talked about, like, the Night Sisters were so interesting to her, and she, like, has all these questions about how they do all these things, and I'm like, girl, same. And the reason, like, she decided to, like, tell it this way is because, like, she wanted to, like, play on this lore so she, like, went all for it. And, like, these are Night Sister witches. So, like, I'm going to make my witch who, like, wears all black and, like, has a black cat. Yeah. And it's, like, a, it's, a, it's like a ghost story, the way she tells it. Yeah. I Oh, man. It made me think, like, could you imagine the stories that, like, Ventress and, like, Marin must know, like, from mm-hmm. Dathomir? Like, their folklore-type stories? Yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. I got so many, like, Cinderella vibes, too, from this. Well, I was going to even say, like, Rapunzel, like, Lost Princess kind of thing. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I just, It felt so dark fairy tale. Because, like, we're in, like, this inn, and it's very removed, and our, our main girl is pretty young. She doesn't even have a name anymore because her parents are so awful. They just call her Bug, which, very Cinderella. This witch rolls in and she's so mysterious bug is so interested in her and she starts telling her this story about like creating life on dathomir and then like going out and looking for her like i want Mm -hmm. the rest of the story and it's so interesting how it's like told like she is so isolated because she is like the only witch that lives there that creates instead of like destroys that's so cool like, there's so many stories that you could tell about the Night Sisters, and I feel like this is just, like, a drop in the bucket of, like, how mm. deep this lore could go. I really have to wonder if they're planning on a Night Sister show. Oh, I really hope so. I really think it could be that, and I'm excited about it. Uh, I am beyond excited, because, like, there's so much that you could even do. Like, you could focus it around yeah. the Clone Wars, you could focus it around after if you really wanted to but like mm-hmm. i imagine before the massacre and like all this kind of stuff like there's so much history here yeah and like less expectations too you remove it from the skywalkers like you but it's still like you can still reference to characters you know like mother talzin and ventress and like still have it in that universe well there's so much like we don't know like Mm-hmm. For all we know, like, Mother Towson is, like, this immortal being. Like, maybe it all started with her. Or, like, why do they, you know, what is this going on with the Knight Brothers? Like, I, I really want to see this. And I feel like Ian Convery just really has an interesting idea here. And yeah. I'd really love to see, like, what else she has to say on it. For mm-hmm. sure. Like, whether they give us a show or, like, whether we get, like, books. Like, man, I would love, like, a creepy Night Sister, like, book series. That would be so cool. But that is uh, 
Clone Wars stories of light and dark. Uh, just to kind of wrap it up, like, I know we talked a lot about, like, Kenobi's shadow and, like, all this kind of stuff, but, like, what were your overall, like, thoughts reading this book? My overall thoughts was it, it's a fantastic book. I really recommend people buy it. Um, this is, like, this is a, you don't want to miss it. <laughs> it it makes me remember how good Star Wars is. Yeah, like it it really brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, even though a lot of it was heartbreaking. <laughs> it's the good kind of heartbreak, though. I think mm-hmm. it's it's really great. Like if you haven't seen the Clone Wars, you can still definitely read this book. Like you'll be spoiled on like a few things. Like obviously, like some late game stuff, just mainly with Obi Wan and Ventress and that kind of thing. But I think it really like just like the Afra audiobook, like it kind of allows you to be like, oh, hey, I really liked this story. And you go back and you find those episodes or like you watch yeah. the whole season. Like it, it's such a great introduction as well. Like e- even if you are like completely new to this, like mm-hmm. I think this book is like really, really special. I think it's also a really great way to get into Star Wars books if you're not already, because these are short stories if you like, if for example, you latch onto that Ventress story or maybe the Night Sister story, you might really like those and say, you know what, I'm going to give Dark Disciple a try. Which is great because it threads into it so well. Yeah, it's like they're giving you little sample size stories of different characters. And then from there, you can go read other things like the Padme story, you can, you can go to Queen Shadow next. Yeah, and like even if it isn't like just that specific specific character like these authors have written other yeah. books in star wars like jason fry did the amazing um last jedi novelization zoreta has a really cute um galaxy's edge story rebecca roanhorse wrote an amazing galaxy's edge uh, resistance reborn it's it's still canon <laughs> <laughs> it's just it it really does like lead to so many things and like i i remember too there's this one Clone Wars novel, uh, Wild Space. It's not canon anymore. Okay. I actually just picked up the audio book okay, from good. the library. They, listen, they only had the audio CD version, but I just got it. I have not started it, but I have it. It's so good. Like, it's I'm not excited. canon, but, like... I'm when when I'm done this, I'm supposed to be picking up Mo Lockdown on audio. Yes, also, or audio CD. So I'm like going into those like non-canon books, but like highly recommended ones that I'm excited to get into. Well, and I I feel like those even fit so well with this because like mm-hmm. you know like that's gonna give you more Maul and like Wild Space like Dark Obi Wan Kenobi like. That is an idea that has been present. <laughs> like that, the circumstances in which it, things happen in wild space, like whatever. But <laughs> it's very good, and I really recommend. So, really, really recommend this book. Pick it up. It's it's great. You will not regret it. I know a lot of people are still in a weird place with Star Wars, but like this is a project that like I think just came out so well, and you can tell how like, much love went into it. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like they were just, like, feeding the beast, like, for money or whatever. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like they really did care about these stories that they were telling. I'm finding a lot of joy out of prequel content lately. Yeah. 
We're becoming prequel stands now. Yeah. After I, this episode, I don't until know Mandalorian, if, we're prequel stands. I don't know if it's because Tross ignored the prequels so much. <laughs> so it's like, I can consume it separately, and there's just so much prequel content that it's just, it's really, I'm really connecting with it lately. Yeah, it it's really exciting, and, like, I'm excited to, like, go back and, like, rewatch the films. I'm excited for like things coming out down the line like mandalorian is still gonna be awesome like the meme now every day the trailer could drop (laughs) we're just waiting uh but i don't know like i really like what they've been setting up with the prequels and and i've liked seeing more from like prequels fans i feel like they're very chill (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just been really awesome so Check out this book. Uh, listen to the audiobook. It's a really fun ride. Listen to Dark Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Bug is also really creepy to listen to, so that'll be awesome. Um, that is all we've got for this episode. If you want to support us, like always, you can send us your Star Wars story. We do have the instructions for how to do that in the links in the description of every episode. We also have a coffee account if you want to support us that way in our merch store. You can find all of the wonderful artwork that Alex does for this show. If you want to keep the conversation going, we are pretty much always on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers and then also at McCarter's Shannon and at Alex Leonis. So we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.